This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. It is a cricketing podcast hosted by myself, Toby Tarrant, Daniel Norcross and ex-England legend, the one and only Stephen Finn, who have, of course, joined me once again and lots to get through. And uh, should we get straight into it? Should we stop mucking around and should we just get straight into it? So it's lovely to see you both. The county championship continues Week two of a new season. And I've got to say, it's been a great start to the season as well. Some wonderful results flying around in the county championship. And our producer, Sal, has discovered that you can watch all nine games at once, which is, I mean, it's it's county cricket pornography, essentially, coming at you from all angles. And there was wins for Essex, Warwickshire, Hampshire, Yorkshire, Lancashire, Gloucestershire, and Sussex as well. However, let's start with Middlesex and Stephen Finn. Um, disappointing result for your boys, Finney. On the upside, personally, I mean, I, I can't lay any blame at the door of Stephen Finn. And I know you'll give the sportsman's answer of, you know, we win as a team and we lose as a team. But four wickets in the first innings, a couple more in the second innings, and an unbeaten, heroic, defiant, like Brian Close in the Bodyline series, defiant backs to the wall, not out, red inker, uh, in the face of adversity as well. 14 not out or 42 or something. Um, you know, it's not going to put too many bums on seats and get you that IPL contract, but uh, you must have been pretty pleased to spend some time out in the middle after giving it the big and about your batting all preseason. Yeah, well, I've been giving it the big and about my six hitting capabilities and um, it didn't even look like playing an aggressive shot in those 42 balls. So, no, it was obviously would have enjoyed batting in slightly different circumstances than with 75 overs left to bat in the day with me and myself and the number 11 batsman, Ethan Bamber out there with me. Uh, but yeah, we got, we got outplayed to be honest. Hampshire this year with the strength of their middle order and their two opening bowlers and the diversity that they have in their attack are actually an outstanding team. Not actually, they are an outstanding team. 
so so yeah, we we got done over by an outstanding cricket team and Mohammed Abbas bowled very very well. Mohammed Abbas, I want to talk to you about Stephen. I none of us can ever really understand it. He's like Mohammed Asif, that's seventy eight miles an hour. He must move the ball very very late. People talk about these guys as if they're impossible to play, and yet they don't bowl at any particular pace. You've dedicated your life to trying to bowl at 90 miles an hour. How infuriating is it when somebody comes in off an economical run-up and is utterly devastating at 78 miles an hour? He's um he's quicker than you think because otherwise people would just bat miles out their crease and walk down the wicket to him and try and smother his length. But he can hit you in the head, which is a problem if you start walking down the wicket at him. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he... I mean, on the TV, especially when he's bowling at the other end to um, Shaheen Afridi, he probably does look like 78 miles an hour. And it might come up on the speed guns, which I've got issues with the speed guns in cricket anyway. But his trajectory and um, and the way he bowls, it's a lot quicker than it seems. So he smashes your stickers um, when you're batting there. Uh, and yeah, with the odd one, if you do start getting a little bit cocky and camping on the front hook, he will try and hit you in the head. So it's not quite as easy as it seems sometimes. How is he How is he not like first choice for Pakistan in, in Red Bull cricket just whenever he plays? You know, he's one of the quickest guys, if not the quickest, the 50 wickets in test cricket. He's obviously, you know, got such mastery of line and length. It's, what were his figures at one point against you guys? Sorry to bring it up. It's like six for seven off seven over, something mad. It was something obscene. It was like stuff you only see at under 12s <laughs> level, basically. Yeah, I mean, serious. Yeah, it was amazing. But you, you look at his first-class record, he took almost 500 first-class wickets at 21. He took his test wickets at 22, <laughs> which is up there with yeah. Glenn McGrath levels. Um, and, and he's the best bowler, in my opinion, that there has ever been. So, yeah, look, we, we got done. And I'd imagine that if he spent all of his life playing on some of the tracks that you see in Pakistan and then all of a sudden he's got a Duke's ball in his hand and a little bit of cloud cover, he's probably licking his lips, to be honest. I did I did want to say this, actually, that I think if you were to, in a factory somewhere, design a man that was made for county championship cricket in April in the UK, it's Mohammed Abbas, just with that nagging line and length and bit of wobble, bit of scene. He is fascinating to watch though because i do know what you mean daniel when you when you when you look at him he looks very accurate and he you know he looks like he moves it around a little bit but you kind of just think there must be loads of people that can do that but they clearly can't because he does it so much better than 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 everybody else and uh yeah an unbelievable bowling performance he's like a, he's like a and, harrods uh, version of tim murta and and and, <laughs> and tim murta's former masons don't get me wrong but he's like he's like he's like the harrods version he's absolutely spot on but can i just have a go at finney though because he started this and, we, and we've glossed over this bit but he said he came in and it's like 75 overs to bat and you know he was going to go none shall pass he, he sat there with his with his brand new woodstock bat all very excited and the ball pings off that thing and he is trying to block out 75 overs. But don't get me wrong, Ethan Bamber, splendid cricketer. That was never going to happen. Do you want this champagne or not? I mean, what in God's name are you playing at? <laughs> no, I. It, it wasn't the time or the place to be trying to hit Ooh. sixes. I tried to... Um, I actually tried... I didn't try and hit a six in the first innings. I just tried to hit it for four. But when I watched the replay back, it looked as though I did try and hit it for six. So... I must have swung a lot harder than I um, than I realised in that first innings. But no, I, obviously our bet 
doesn't quite supersede everything else, including game situations, unfortunately. <laughs> However important we would like to think that this podcast is, it doesn't quite supersede a first-class game of cricket. So um, I'm well, sorry to disappoint you. And um, and I accepted the abuse in the WhatsApp group, but um, I, I politely say, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I have to admit that, because uh, when I saw the shot, and oh, we will be posting it on social media, by the way, but I saw the shot that Finney played in the first innings and uh, and it did look like you did try and pretty much take a step down the wicket and go inside out over extra cover for six. But uh, but in your mind's eye, you were just trying to just caress it through the covers. Well, you, you go out there with a game plan. And my game plan was <laughs> that if it was full outside off stump, I was going to give myself the best chance of if I hit it, it's going to get hit bloody hard. And if I edged it, it's going to go flying over the slips. But in the end, I got the tiniest tiniest thinnest outside edge on it and it and it just went through to the keeper so had i got any more on it it could have been ballooning over the slips or all sorts um it was yeah. it, it was there to be hit to be fair i mean it was in the slot i don't think any of your coaches gonna have a go at you for your shot selection execution i, I, so I got right. close to the ball that, that's um better yeah. than i used to when i was younger i was telling the young guys about my batting when i was in the infancy of my career and uh, oh, I bet they love oh, that. Oh yeah. Please tell us more about exactly, this. Yeah, my, my strike rate was about 25 and um, I was literally a walking wicket. Used to the, I used to do night watchman for Middlesex and the batsman who was batting behind me would pretty much just stand up and start walking out behind me as I walked out there. I remember Strauss a few times being in the hutch and I'd walk out there and get my pad blown off and he'd just walk past me shaking his head. <laughs> you took one, that's one ball less that they've got to face. It's very noble of you, Freddie. I have to ask you this because I've always found this at club cricket where I bat uh, number 11, although I've told the captain this year I'm gunning for that number 10 spot. But, I mean, I've, I messaged you on the WhatsApp group going, to be fair, Finney, it would be harsh if the coaches picked out your shot in the first innings of all the shots when the, when the top order had been absolutely blown away. But I do find there's this weird thing in cricket where, I don't know, I feel like the top order can go out there, you could be 28 for 8, and then you go out there and now you're 30 for nine. And all the top orders sort of be shaking their head and disappointed with, with the tailenders when they get out. I feel like there's a lot of blame put on tailenders when they get out towards the end of innings when that's not what they're in the team. To you play. must play in a very toxic environment at your club then. <laughs> I, I do, actually. I do. <laughs> Um, and how bad must you be if you're batting number 11 in club cricket Jesus <laughs> <laughs> I know well I mean we, we we keep talking about this net but I did send you through my play cricket stats and I do think I've got a batting average of seven over the years and somebody once worked out that I think there's in my like 14 year first 11 career I think there's been three seasons where I didn't score any runs like zero runs uh, my 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 argument is I don't get given the opportunities. Yeah, well, I technically I got stranded on fourteen not out on um, on Sunday, so there was another first class fifty there for the taking. It, it just didn't quite happen. Yeah. You played for two. You played for two good a team, Toby. I, I used to play with a guy called Charles Fellow Smith, son of a South African Test cricketer who's now the scorer at Lords, and he went through an entire season batting at number eleven, in which he batted fourteen times, didn't get out once. Scored over two hundred runs. Yeah, yeah, you're just you're just not getting the opportunities. You need you need yeah, to play for a shit team like I used to captain. Yeah, <laughs> there was definitely a year where I scored my first first class run in August. Albeit I didn't play that many games, <laughs> but I got a series of noughts and naught not outs through an entire summer, where my first run of the of the year 
was uh, was off a lob up from Chris Nash. I think we were about 500 for seven. <laughs> I walked out and yeah, Chris Nash's lob up off spin. Um, I hit it for one and celebrated my first run of the year. Uh, did you celebrate? Did you lift your bat? I think the the um, the balcony might have given me a round of applause. Yeah, definitely, because everyone knew about it. Oh, that's so soul destroying when you're playing a game of cricket and you bowl at a guy and he hits a single and there's a huge cheer from the boundary and that's when you go, "All oh, right, this guy's clearly shit and never scores any runs," and that's why his teammate are cheering the run. Well, fourteen not out for You did say you were batting well in pre-season and there's little seedlings of of a bit of runs in there and a bit of confidence in there with the bat. Very quickly going through the rest of the county championship, Essex, what a turnaround that was. Bowled out for 163 in the first innings to beat Durham by 44 runs. Simon Harmer, I mean, we talked last week about, you, you know, these county sort of legends. Simon Harmer, what a job he's done over the last few years. But five for 57 in the second innings, 10 for 136 overall. 955 days since they last lost at Chelmsford in the championship. Not bad going, eh, Daniel Norcross? Unbelievable. It's truly extraordinary. I've, I've watched quite a lot of county championship cricket at Chelmsford uh, over the last few years. And the pattern is bizarre. Often day one, worst time to bat. Saw Yorkshire get bowled out for 50 there and win a game batting first. Um, it is, it's strange, but Simon Harmer is the strangest thing. And, you know... Is, is England really beneath just picking him? I mean, he's, he's been in England for long enough. He's virtually England qualified. How would England have got on against India with Simon Harmer? They were, they were resting all those players to play in T20s and then not picking them anyway, like Moeen Ali. Would Simon Harmer playing four test matches have been the worst thing? I miss late noughties ECB. They would have picked yeah. him in a heartbeat. They would have just gone, you know, get him in. Get him. We'll find a passport somewhere. We'll 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 work something out. Just get him in the team. Absolutely. Um, also, standout uh, James Bracey scored over two hundred runs in his match as well. Looks a player. Lots to talk about him. Ollie Robinson. It's an absolute wicket machine at the moment. Uh, took for nine for seventy eight in this game. Stuart Broad it like he was bowling well and quick apparently at Trent Bridge. Um, Hassan Azad with a career best, 144 not out. Uh, he's a good batsman when he hasn't got uh, Lewis McManus <laughs> stumping him illegally. He can actually score some runs. Uh, leg spinner Matt Parkinson took three for 39 uh, to finish with six for 88 in the match, but he bowled the ball of the century. I don't know if you've seen this going around on social media, but Matt Parkinson, it's the exact Shane Warne to Mike Gatting ball. If it hadn't been on a, a dodgy camera from, from far away and it had been on Sky Sports 1 HD at prime time, people would be losing their minds about this delivery. That's that's unplayable, that, isn't it? Well, Daniel? it is unplayable, except that, you know, what Shane, Shane Warne did have to get past the considerable barrier of Matt, Mike Gatting's girth. Mm, Whereas, you know, Parkinson was bowled into a more slender player. But it was, it was exactly the same ball. It was exactly it the same look of befuddlement. It was, it was magnificent. And what's fascinating about this guy is he has spent the entirety of the winter, mm. like, I'm not going to say not being trusted. They might, the ECB might say, and maybe they're right, that they were like giving him access to the team environment, getting him really used to it and making him, you know, feel comfortable. But England struggled on those turning pitches and there was this, Leg spinner, and he didn't play in any of the T20s, didn't play any of the ODIs, didn't play any of the test matches, anything like that. And he's basically carrying the drinks. And it turns out that if a cricketer hasn't set foot on a on a cricket field for seven months, it doesn't seem to make any bloody difference. They whine about not getting enough match practice. He turns up and bowls the ball of the century. 
I mean, it was, it was superb. It is it is bizarre because leg spin's such a complicated and specific skill that uh, fair play to him for bowling well because you, you'd imagine it's the sort of thing you need to be practicing in matches. Finney, there are. I mean, you mentioned I think one of the earlier podcasts uh, that Tim Myrtle he can just rock up and bowl. I mean, he can he can he can get out of the car, put his boots on and run in, and he'll put the ball on and around off stump. Um, there are just I, I don't know why is it to do with your, your bowling action? Is it to do with confidence? But some cricketers can just kind of pick up where they left off and some need games under their belt and need net sessions and need a pre-season. Yeah, I think it's it's a complicated motion, isn't it, a bowling action? It takes a lot of practice and honing uh, for you to be able to repeat it regularly um, and bowl consistently. I think for the taller guys, it's slightly harder to be super consistent because there's, as you'd know, there's arms and legs all over the place when you're bowling, which makes you feel a little bit clumsy sometimes. But yeah, I think there are guys who are just very, very fortunate that naturally their action is repeatable. And as I said, Tim Murta literally drives down the A40, gets out of his car, goes straight into the nets and bowls, and it's on a length with a bit of shape away. Um, and usually more often than not beats the outside edge. So um, yeah, there's some guys who are very fortunate, very lucky that they can do that. And with that comes confidence. It all goes hand in hand, I think. I, I mean, Mohammed Abbas, we talked about him earlier. He looks like he could do that till he's about 85, I reckon. I reckon he should be playing test cricket till he's at least mid-80s, just doing that. I, I can't imagine what it's going to take for him to not be able to trundle in and just bowl those absolute areas. Uh, and also Derbyshire and Worcestershire drew. Uh, probably not the most glamorous tie. I'm going to be honest with you, Derbyshire, Worcestershire. Uh, I also wanted to mention, actually, one man that I did miss out. Um, we talked about Darren Stevens last week. He won't appreciate being put in the same um, age bracket as Darren Stevens, but Tim Bresnan, what a man, what a cricketer, still going so strong and uh, and and saw Warwickshire home in that game, sixty four not out, I think it was, but uh, an unbelievable cricketer, Finney. Obviously, you've played a lot of cricket with Tim Bresnan, but he strikes me as a man, and I've never met Tim Bresnan, but he strikes me as a man that if I was in a battle, if I was in a tough series, I'd want Tim Bresnan on my side and, and fighting my corner for me. Rezzy lad, he's a he's a strong lad. He's um, <laughs> well, me and him fought for the same spot in the Test team for a long time, for for three or four years, I think, um, from about 2010 to 2013, 14, um, and yeah, he's just a reliable, outstanding cricketer. You, you know what you're going to get with Brez. I think whenever England picked him, he never let them down, and he always scored important, handy runs. I think he scored. Test match 95 at one stage against someone um, in an important circumstance. So, yeah, he, he is an outstanding player and a great signing for Warwickshire to have that experience, especially in a chase such as that against a team maybe slightly short of confidence in Nottinghamshire who haven't won for a thousand days now, isn't it? It's something like that. They've not won a game of first-class cricket for a thousand days. So that's going to come into it. You say uh, that with a bit of relish, Philly, I've got to say. I mean, No, there's no you know, relish. I actually really like Nottinghamshire. I, I like the lads of Nottinghamshire. <laughs> I like them um, Especially as a club. their cricket bowlers. Yeah, because you, you love their cricket bowlers. If you yeah, especially the ones that don't bang them in halfway yeah. down. I'm a big fan of those ones. Um, actually, this week, it, it took me... I, Kyle Abbott was batting and I bounced him a couple of times. And then another lad came in, Brad Wheel, who's pretty slippery... I bounced him a couple of times as well because at that stage we we needed wickets. So I was like, sod it, I'm giving him a, a bouncer. Then when I was out there batting, Kyle Abbott took great pleasure in saying, yeah, you broke the bowlers' union rules, you'll be getting them back. And Brad Will hit me in the ribs as well for my pleasure. So yeah, <laughs> they got their own back. 
Only ever bounce off spin bowling. That's <laughs> that's that would be what I would do. Just bounce the spinners. They can't do anything back. You've got to get the first hit in. You have to get the first hit because you you seem weak. <laughs> if you don't bowl one to the opposition bowlers, then your character's questioned. So you just have to do it now. Get the first one in and accept that you're going to get a few slung around your ears for your pleasure. See, the thing is, I know I've got no character. I know I'm a hollow shell of a man, and I wouldn't even try and hide from it if I was playing. And there's probably one of the many reasons that I don't yeah, look, look, Philly's Fili, really lucky here because he gets two innings game. So there'll be times when he's bowling second. So his side, I know it's Middlesex, so it's once in a blue moon, but they might have got like, you know, 350, 400, something for him to bowl at. Then they're sort of losing some weeks. He doesn't need to use the bouncer, right? They have a lead of 100 in first innings, and they go back out, they set a target, 350. Then Finney can bowl bounces to his heart's content, knowing none of it's coming back at him. This is what you've got to understand about the professional cricketer. They're fiercely calculating. They know exactly when they're going to bounce people. Let's move on to uh, another cheery topic. And I know we're a cricket podcast, but it would be amiss of us not to mention the European Super League in the footballing world. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you've been living under a rock for the last few days, in football, 12 of the biggest teams, well, apart from, you know, Tottenham and Arsenal and both of the Milan sides, pretty much half the teams in the competition, but supposedly 12 of the biggest teams in world football have announced they're going to start their own competition called the European Super League. Uh, before COVID, I have a season ticket at Anfield. I go to every home game, every away game. I've spent more money than I'd care to imagine following this team around the world. Um, and I think it's absolutely disgusting, this idea. In fact, at the time of recording, it's Liverpool versus Leeds. I have not missed watching a Liverpool game on TV in a very, very long time. Um, normally, I sit there kicking every ball. I'm shouting at the TV. I watched the first 15 minutes and uh, I said to Pippa, my long-suffering partner, I said, I've never felt less up for a game of football in my life. Just because some assholes in a suit somewhere have, have announced this competition, which is a closed shop where where teams can't even qualify, even if they play very well, and vice versa. Tottenham can be as crap as they want, which they are at the moment, and they'll never pay any repercussions for it. The whole thing's disgusting. It's been compared to the Packers series in cricket, which which is unfair. This is very, very different. And uh, and Daniel, you, you were chatting to me about this before we started recording. Explain why this is different from the Packers series. Well, essentially... People see it as being packer because they see it as people being taken out of the normal structure that everyone's got used to. So when Kerry Packer arrived in 1976-77, he put together a series of matches between the very best players in the world, and they were all to take place in Australia, super tests. He introduced pyjamas, he introduced white balls, day-night games, floodlights, the lot. Um, he wanted to create this great spectacle. But what he was really responding to was the scandalous underpayment of cricketers. If you could just think back, you know, if you're a cricket fan and you're of any age, then the names Dennis Lilly, Jeff Thompson, Clive Lloyd, Malcolm Marshall, Andy Roberts, Viv Richards, you know, these were huge players. Alan Knott from England at the time, the greatest wicketkeeper there was. Derek Underwood, the great spinner. These guys, the English guys were getting a reasonable wage. The Australians were getting nothing. They were basically semi-pros. They were getting paid to, a match fee to pay for Australia and really supplementing their income with grace and favour jobs and things like banks and railways. It was absurd. And So Kerry Packer saw this and saw that there was a gap in the market because ABC, the national broadcaster, and the BBC in England, 
would pay nothing for the rights. And so what he wanted to do was own the rights to show the games. And he essentially did that by buying the players. So he bought the players to play in this competition and then he paid the players a, a decent wage. Michael Holding will tell you, you know, he was doing a computer programming degree and uh, because there was no money in cricket. And he said, no, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to, I'm going to go and join this Packer thing. And had he not done that, he probably wouldn't have ever become a test player. We wouldn't have had the great players that we saw, the great era in the 80s. So what Packer was doing was actually saving cricket from itself. What this is doing is paying clubs who have more money than they know what to do with already. They're already absolutely loaded. They've already got a massive competitive advantage and it's giving them more money so they can waste that and destroys anybody's hope. You know, Packer did not stop a young player from believing that he could come through the ranks in Leicester and, you know, win the league and that would matter. Packer didn't destroy the entire integrity of the game of cricket. So people will look at that and they will try to find an analogy. And I, I would just say it isn't there. The, the thing that is closest to it is really it's about broadcasting. And what the European Super League wants to do is have control of broadcasting, broadcasting revenues. And in that, there is something to look at. Yeah, I, I knew you've hit the nail on the head. And, and I was thinking this earlier. I thought, you know, these owners of these these Premier League clubs or these clubs that are joining the Super League is how much money do you need in life, really? Because what are they going to get out of this extra money? Actually, when their life, when you break it all down in their life, what they're going to get? Another house, another yacht, you know, another nice suit. Their life won't really change that much. They're already mega, mega rich. But the lives of millions of fans around the world that love these clubs and follow them home and away their life is affected massively because we don't care about the competition. And I guess the IPL is probably the most similar thing that's happened. It's franchise cricket. You can't be promoted and relegated. But again, I think money is, you know, whether you like it or not, it does make the world go round. And cricketers aren't like these footballers. Cricketers do have to think about what they're going to do after they retire at 35. And, and I don't think anyone really begrudges the money that these cricketers are making in these competitions anymore because we recognise that it's a short career where the money is not life-changing like in football you know I mean I'd imagine Mohamed Salah earns in a week what some cricketers earn in a career I'd be fascinated to know how long Darren Stevens has played to earn what Mohamed Salah earns probably his entire career he might have earned what Mo Salah makes in what two weeks I mean that's really the numbers we're talking about here um, and it, it's absolutely fascinating Finney I want your your sportsman's brain on this because I just can't imagine it. How would you feel about, you know, I mean, Middlesex, you know, they've had a slump of form and they've had a tough couple of seasons, but despite that, would you rather be, exist in a structure where no matter how badly your team plays, you'll always be playing against the same five county teams next season. There's there's no repercussions for doing badly. Or are you sat there going, that'd be quite nice, actually. We'd, we'd stop going further down the league table, genuinely. Um, no, genuinely. I, um, I um, think that, the competition is what people play sport for and it's what they watch sport for. And the game that's going on tonight, Leeds versus Liverpool, if this is in 12 months' time, there's literally nothing riding on this game of football at all. So it, 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 there's no point of it. And so in that case, in that instance, it, if you're thinking of the fans and the people who support the football club and the people who go and watch, if it was in a cricketing term, 
you'd almost feel embarrassed. You'd feel like you're robbing the fans of the passion and, and the thing that they get really excited about and fired up about. You're taking that away from them. So, yeah, I think it's pretty disgraceful. And it wouldn't surprise me if the government step in or, or someone steps in to make it not happen because of the outroar that's happened. I think one of the other analogies that's been drawn, though, and listening to what you just said there, Finney, it is to the hundred. And people have said, well, the European Super League is just, it's, it's exactly the template that the hundred uses, taking a bunch of players and putting them into teams that can never be relegated, that play each other the whole time. So instead of having a divisional T20, there was an argument before the hundred happened to have a first division and a second division and make the first division the televised division, if you know what I mean, like the Super League. And you'd have to qualify for it. But they didn't go with that. They went with these franchises. I think, though, that it is different. You know, people, again, try to draw these parallels, but it is different. You know, what the 100 has done is, yes, it's marginalised county cricket for a period of about six weeks while the tournament takes place. But it doesn't actually fundamentally affect the integrity of the competitive structure of, of county cricket. Whereas, obviously, if you create a European Super League, it affects the integrity of the Premier League. The Premier League is an attractive proposition because not because teams win it, but because teams try to become second, third and fourth to qualify for Champions League and come fifth, sixth and seventh. And that's, I suppose, why there's an interesting argument about where county cricket goes. We used to have two divisions and we have a divisional structure this year. If we continue to have a divisional structure this year, then... It's not the same as European Super League, but it is the same as getting rid of promotion and relegation. It's about making sure that sporting organisations have certainty about their future. Because businesses hate uncertainty, don't they? And county cricket clubs are the same as football teams in that sense. Not knowing what division you're going to be in and therefore what your revenue is makes it difficult to plan. That that's a huge factor, and and that is that is the whole factor actually. And I, I saw Paul Hayward put it brilliantly that the businessmen that own football clubs are terrified by the randomness of sport because they've got a huge product here that they've got a lot of money invested in, but they can't control if Virgil Van Dijk breaks both his legs and is out for the season, and Liverpool lose a load of games and don't qualify for the Champions League. So they're trying to get rid of the things that they can't control because as businessmen they don't like it. They like their investments to be sound. And they like to be able to monitor them and control them. And this is taking away the randomness of sport. But the randomness of sport is earned. People play well, and that's what makes it random. And there's also an argument that they will hide behind this line of, you know, we want the best to play the best and the best quality of sport. But the competitive element is part of the reason that sport is played so well. Because, Finney, you'll know that you can find five miles an hour from somewhere, somewhere when you're bowling because you're so pumped up by the situation of the game. And and it's a weird thing. It only can be adrenaline. You know, when Joffrey Archer hit Steve Smith at Lords, that spell was frightening. We've never seen him bowl that fast again. But sure enough, early in his England career, full day at Lords, sun shining, Ashes test match, bowling at Steve Smith, he found an extra five miles an hour. And Finney, you must have been in games where, where you, you can only bowl that quick. So you can only play your best sport in a competitive environment, surely. Yeah, that 100% helps. Um, and the competition and the the threat of relegation or promotion. I mean, some of the most exciting games that I've played in have been when we're trying to scrap to save ourselves from relegation. 
and the satisfaction that you get as a player when you perform in those situations is far, far greater than when you play in an empty game. You take five for in a game that doesn't really matter. Um, you're not playing for a position or anything, but people are valued and people get greater satisfaction from doing it when the going's tough and when it really matters. So this European Super League, the, the fact that it is a closed shop to those 12 or 15 teams who are the founder members means that there's nothing riding on it. And I'd imagine that would provide an empty feeling for the players, which I can almost, or can't almost guarantee because I don't know the atmosphere within football. But if there was a cricketing equivalent now, you'd feel empty and, and you would not be happy with that. And I can't imagine that there's too many professional footballers in this scenario that would be happy playing empty games where there's nothing riding on it whatsoever. Completely agree. And it, it sounds like the players weren't involved in the process at all. Uh, as well. know this is, it's interesting what you were saying about relegation and how that really spurs you on. And you'll know this story of Mark Wood turning out to play for Durham against, was it Surrey? I think it doesn't really matter, but they were, uh, they were on the verge of relegation and he bowled himself into the ground, won the game for his side, pitching up for Durham. And, you know, he's had injury problems and, he, and it was some years ago, so his ankle wasn't great. They put him out of the winter tour for England and it kept Durham up until the ECB docked Durham all those points. Uh, and it was, an, it was an act of heroic futility. And you don't... You can say, well, it shouldn't have happened, but it's, it's a brilliant and incredible story. And it tells you something about somebody who's at the very top of their game, someone like Mark Wood, who is a top international cricketer, how he'll go through unbelievable pain to get his club to be saved from relegation. Now, it didn't turn out well because ECB, but, that is, but that's what sport is. That's what we watch it for. That's what we, were only, we watch the Premier League, not to find out who's won, because often that's found out dead early. It's to find out who hasn't gone down. It's to find out who's mm. scraped into these positions, you know. And similarly, the same thing I think is true of cricket. I want, I, I want two divisions back because I love that. I love the fact that cricket matches had real relevance late on in the season. And I'm not having a pop at ECB for doing it this way, but I'm already sort of thinking I can see some dead rubbers looking at the county championship. I can see them coming earlier than they should do. And that there's going to be more irrelevant games than we, we than we're used to because we used to have teams scrapping for promotion, scrapping against relegation, and scrapping at the top. Com- completely agree, and, and I, I, my mind casts back to Andrew Flintoff bowling himself into the ground yeah. in that Ashes series at the end of his career, knowing full well he's probably buggered his body. This is probably going to be the last time he's ever able to bowl a cricket ball in his life. But if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it in an Ashes test match against Australia, winning England the game. And I don't care if it's the end of my career because this is the time that I want to go out. Um, Well, I think we're all universally very anti the Super League. Now, come on then. This is the big question. So there's a Super League announced tomorrow in cricket. County teams, who are your six? Are you looking at the most successful sides? Are you looking at the richest sides? Uh, I mean, uh, are you looking at the grounds that they play in? Are you looking at history? If you can choose six teams, I mean, I mean, uh, Daniel, you're going to want Surrey. Yeah, look, I, I don't need to want Surrey. Everyone knows Surrey's got to be there. The second most number of uh, championship wins, the first champions of any, well, actually, the own first county champions. Uh, the f- ground where the first test match was played in this country against Australia in 1880. Lord, forget it. 
It's all about the Oval. It's the biggest. It's the biggest. It's the best. <laughs> it's the Manchester United of cricket. Obviously, Surrey is in there. Um, thereafter, so, Surrey are so, in. So, like, Surrey I'm, are I'm, in. I'm having Surrey. F- Finney, Finney, come on, sell sell Middlesex to to the Super League. Come on. Do I need to? I mean, it's... yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> You're tenants, at Lords. <laughs> yeah, we're tenants, but against adversity, we've still produced a very good number of England cricketers. Won championships. There's absolutely no doubt that we're in there. I can't even believe that you'd um, you'd <laughs> disgrace yourself by suggesting not. Well, okay, I'll give you. I'll tell you what. I'll keep on naming teams in the top six, and you tell me which one shouldn't be there for Middlesex. I'm not playing this game. Toby can play this game because I'm going to have to play against some of these people at some stage. So Yorkshire, I've got to give you Yorkshire most number of championships. Right, okay, Daniel. No, no. Do you know what? Enough getting Finney in trouble, Daniel. I'm going to get you in trouble. Okay, here's here's for no reason at all. I've I've invented a new rule in this league. Only one of Yorkshire or Lancashire. Oh, no, that is unacceptable. Who are you picking, Daniel? Oh, no. I'm a self-hating Yorkshireman. My mother was from Yorkshire and I'm a Surrey fan (laughs) because my dad's from Surrey. Um, (laughs) Oh, no, I can't do this. You're going to get whatever happens. Most of my best cricketing friends are from Lancashire. They're going to be burning effigies. You can't not have have Yorkshire. You can't not have Yorkshire. You can't not have Yorkshire. You can't not have... You also can't not have Warwickshire. They're the second richest club in the country I, I mean I'm saying that if if out of Yorkshire or Lancashire only one could go in I'm, I'm, I think Yorkshire go Yorkshire in and Lancashire and I'm so sorry yeah, I'm so sorry that rule? I don't know I just thought it, make, it might make, <laughs> make, make an interesting podcast discussion not fair <laughs> Warwickshire huge club amazing ground and Chris Wokes is there I can't say anything I can't upset Chris Wokes no. can you imagine seeing a sad Chris Wokes nobody wants to see Durham that. I mean Durham are a huge club they only, they, they've had a bad couple of years as a result of what's happened but you know they've created he talks about Finney talks about Middlesex creating all these cricketers for England I mean we're talking Plunkett Harmison Stokes Wood I mean a proper production line going on there Test Ground you know, it's very dry in Durham as well. Um, drier often than Lords. You know, cold. I'll get you, give you that. I'd say Durham. They, they've got to be out of Middlesex. Who have we had? Hampshire. I mean, what facility they've got at Hampshire. Great. They've just beaten Middlesex, of course, quite convincingly in the championship this week. Like, Put on some wonderful um, test matches in COVID situations. They yeah. were the perfect venue for those test series last as summer. Did as did Lancashire. Well. So, yeah, where, what are we up yeah. to now? I mean, I suppose it's between... Nottinghamshire, Somerset, Essex, and then maybe Middlesex. So what are they, top 10? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> not nibbling. We're, 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 I'm not nibbling. I'm distracting myself not, by watching the football as well. So you, <laughs> I just hear him waffle in my ear at the moment. And then when we've moved on to the next segment, let me know and I'll, uh, I'll pop back in. Ignoring you, Daniel, and eating Colin the Caterpillars. Uh, well, we'll let you argue about that on social media but um, remember that time that Daniel slagged off Lancashire that was terrible wasn't it but moving very very swiftly on because uh, we've only got a little bit of time left uh, you did mention Ben Stokes there we should mention that poor Ben Stokes has broken his finger um, he's out for a few months three months which is uh, which is pretty heartbreaking it's just sad to see Ben Stokes you know just remind you that he is actually human after all he's taken a hell of a catch as well by the way maybe weirdly good for England Maybe weirdly good for England if he can get back in time for the for the busy summer. Um, he won't like hearing that because he's missing out a load of money and not playing in the IPL, but might be quite good mentally for him to have a bit of time off. What do you reckon, well, Daniel? I mean, firstly, Rajasthan Royals 
are going to struggle without him. So that's Joss Butler and Joffre Archer, who might also be back in time. And also, it's great news for Darren Stevens because, you know, if England are missing a Premier all-rounder for the first couple of games against New Zealand, could there be anybody? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's obviously the man to come in. But I've got to say, let me just give you extraordinary news hot off the press, which is that because India are on the red list for countries, as a moderately serious point, it will mean that there'll have to be a 10-day hotel quarantine for team for players who come back from India, unless they can create special circumstances, as Ali Martin reported in The Guardian today. So it might not make any difference whether a side gets knocked out in the IPL. Those players might then not be available for too long to be able to get in there. But it'll also have repercussions for the World Test Championship and the India-England Women's Test, because those players will be coming over and having to have that much longer you know, so now, this is where one of the top, you know, six counties, you can't deny it, Hampshire, come in because they've got a hotel on their ground. So maybe the Indians can go and quarantine at the AGS Bowl. Can't do that at Lords, obviously, but, you know, it's not up to Middlesex mm-hmm. that they do it there because they've got no say on what happens at Lords. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but for, for Hampshire, they, they might be in a position really to make a massive impact on the summer. Can I just point out there that we started this podcast talking about Finney's valiant, unbeaten, 14 not out, and yet Ben Stokes is injured and Daniel Norcross's go-to all-rounder from the county scene is Darren Stevens and not Stephen Finn. Finney, you can do a straight <laughs> job. You can swap him for Ben Stokes, can't you, mate? Yeah, I'm shocked. I can do the whole lot. Heroic with both bat, ball and in the field, I'd say. <laughs> so, yeah, I, my phone, Ed Smith might have lost my number. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, he's... <laughs> Uh, I'm by the phone, ready and waiting. Daniel, we, we were going to come to you about your... um. You've basically been researching weather um, in, in ridiculous detail. Um, we may have to delay this until next week when the weather will still be a thing. Do you mind, Daniel? I don't mind at all. I just want to give a shout-out to Richard Dixon, mm. who is uh, on Twitter as Cat Insights, because he responded to a tweet from Izzy Westbury about how it always gets colder on the first day of championship season. And Finney will know all about this. So over the last, like, 10 years, the week before the county championship starts has been on average three degrees warmer than the week that it actually does start. (laughs) So (laughs) it just gets colder the moment they go and play cricket. So I asked somebody for, like, weather stats on all the different county grounds, uh, well, especially the test match grounds, and he's a wonderful man, Richard Dixon. He's come back to me with all the data. We will cover it yes. on another episode of Zero Ducks Given. But just to say, I just want a big shout out. And um, there's no great surprise to discover that uh, the driest test ground is, of course, the Oval, because it is heaven on earth. But more news to come. Surely if the Oval's <laughs> the driest ground, then Lords must be pretty similar. No, they're they're no. only a few miles apart. Well, we'll save no, it for next that's week. That's next we'll week. save it for next that's week. That's next week. It's incredible. Um, also, very quickly, thank you everyone getting involved on social media, at Zero Ducks Pod on Twitter and on Instagram and on TikTok, believe it or not. Um, and we talked about the fact that Chris Gale was starting a rapping career last week. And thank you to everyone that was sending us their cricketing rap heroes. Um, Paul says, Malcolm Marshall Mathers... Tom says Biggie Gladstone Smalls. Uh, Mark Puttick says Eric B and Rakeem Cornwall. The thing I love about this game is Daniel Norcross knows who none of these rappers are. Uh, Paul Jackson says Tupac Shakur Rana. Uh, Lil Wayne Larkins says Paul as well on Twitter. Uh, the Oval Pigeon said Ray Z Illingworth. 
Uh, and Sal on Twitter said Missy, Matthew, Elliot, and also Puff Daddy hundreds as well. And uh, and uh, Daniel, you had a celebrity response on, to this tweet as well. Uh, we did. The magnificent comedian Mark Steele, he came up with Loyal Garner. I, I don't know what any of these mean. Um, <laughs> LL Coley J, I think I've vaguely heard of him. Teeny Temper, like it. <laughs> and Hendrick Lamar, as in Mike Hendrick, but... Is his name not Hendrick? I don't know who yet. His is name's Hendrick Kendrick Lamar, Lamar Daniel. Kendrick. It's Kendrick, is it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he called Hendrick Lamar already? Um, <laughs> Finney, I've got to ask you, mate. So um, the small matter of Surrey next. That's an easy win uh, in anyone's book. Hey, now, you, you talked about rotating seamers. Genuinely, do you have any inkling if you're going to play and do you expect to play and no idea at all? No idea. The, our new captain, Peter Hanscom, comes over or is available for this next game, which is good news for us to have him around. We've been looking forward to having him over here. So he meets up with the boys tomorrow. And then I'd imagine there'll be a selection meeting tomorrow to name a squad of 12 or 13 before going into the game on Thursday. So yeah, tomorrow will be a big training session. You'll have loads of boys steaming in, trying to stake a claim to be in the team. Um, and that's never fun for the batsman down the other end because you pick out the newest ball you can find, nip it all over the joint to make it look like you're bowling with the golden snitch, um, and then <laughs> and then disappear to the back of the net. So um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be a good net session tomorrow, and then just yeah, wait and wait and see what happens with the team and and what they announce on Wednesday. And you were saying to me just just before we started recording, Finney, how Peter Hanscom is not only talented but handsome as well. You 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 kept mentioning that. Yeah, wonderful man, incredibly yeah. striking looking, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, might take my might take my camera down there and take a few photos of him. You know, <laughs> that that went from being that went from praise to just being a little bit creepy there, Finney. But uh... <laughs> that's the way I roll. That's the way I roll, man. Can I just point out that Finney, I think, has put in at least three Harry Potter references in the last three weeks. I just, I'm just putting it out there because there may be a Harry Potter quiz that we need to do for Finney. I didn't realise how much of a fan he was, yeah, but they I keep did. on, they keep on dripping in. Mm, I do. keep getting them in there, yeah. Good. You well, um, keep an eye on mm. this because I don't really know anything about Harry Potter, so he could be dropping references all the time, and I'd, I'd, I'd be none the wiser to be honest. Um, just very quick question for me, Finney. Now, I, it always staggers me, right? Because if you want to buy a Premier League football now, they're about a hundred quid. If you want to buy a brand new cricket ball, they're extortionate. Do you all just get a load of brand new, like, top-end cricket balls every single net session? Not every net session, no. But what typically happens is that the spares in the game, so, you know, you know the umpires bring the spare balls out um, when the ball goes out of shape. The home club has to provide those balls for the, um, for the box. So at the beginning of the season, you get all these new balls. And then as you go they get drip fed in. So there's probably one new ball a session that pops up. So it's a race to the bowling ball bag to see who can get the brand, brand new one um, when it's popped in there. But when they decide it's at an appropriate scuffed up level, it gets taken away from the bowling bag and put in the spares box um, to be used in the game. So yeah, constantly through the season, there's just one or two every week that get popped into the bowling bag. So does somebody index it? Like, is somebody looking at that? Because I've always wondered about this. Because you've got to have like the right age ball. Is there yeah, some, like, to, we, we need a forty-six going, over old ball. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, a guesstimate. It's a guesstimate. And, and presumably, there are some bowlers, you know, who bowl such filth that twelve balls bowled to a batsman with that ball is worth like thirty-six balls bowled at someone like you. You know, just 
hitting back of a leg and being left alone as it goes through harmlessly outside the off stump. Well, you started off by saying that Mohammed Abbas is a Harrods Tim Murtis. You know, how many how many Mohammed Abbas deliveries is it to one Tim Murtis? Yeah. That's the question, really, isn't it? <laughs> that is the question. Uh, thank you very much, chaps. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. Sorry if we whinged a bit too much about the Europeans. Actually, you know what? Why am I apologising? I'm no, not apologising. No, we're no, angry. Dis- we're angry. I'm angry. I'm disgusted by it. Uh, but lovely to see you both. I will see you next week. Finney, if selected on Thursday, go well again, mate. And uh, time to splay that left leg out. You've proven that you can uh, drop anchor, but time to get that left leg out of the way and put it into Rose Ed, mate. With a bit of luck, there's a short boundary one side. So, um, so I'll keep you posted. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. Chaps, see you next week. Cheers. See ya. Cheers, one and all. Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.